630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Riley drops back, looks, looks, dances and throws, and he's going deep down the field. Oh, what a catch by Darrell Walker, who skipped his way to the end zone. He'll drop it off to Pouillon, twists it back to McDavid, inside to Everly. Rich shot score! 3-0 Jordan Everly from Connor McDavid, and the Oilers are home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chet. The NHL playoffs head west. Western Conference matchups tonight. The Blues and the Stars are about to get underway later on. 8.30 start for the Predators and the Sharks. The Toronto Blue Jays in action tonight leading the Tampa Bay Rays 1-0 they're in the fourth inning. Also, playoff action for the Toronto Raptors tonight as they try to win their series against the Indiana Pacers. The Raptors jumped out to a 10-point lead early. Now, after one, they're up 22-20. Oh, the draft lottery tomorrow. In 24 hours, you will know where the Edmonton Oilers will be picking in Buffalo in late June. Of course, 13.5% that the Oilers will pick first overall. Their uh, most likely slot, judging by all the percentage going uh, percentages going into this, is actually fourth, but we'll see how it shakes down. Plenty to talk about on the draft lottery this evening. Uh, Bob Stoffer is going to join us. Gary Galley, Pat Steinberg out of Calgary. Of course, I want to hear from you as well. You can text 630-630. You can call in 780-496-0063. I did post some of my thoughts on 630ched.com today. Now, don't get too mad at me. But I'm saying, you know what, if it doesn't fall the Oilers' way, would it really be so bad for hockey in Alberta and for all of you fans who I talk to so lovingly every day if the Calgary Flames were to win the draft lottery? and get Austin Matthews. We'll talk about that as we move along as well. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is 6.07. It is Inside Sports on 6.30. Ched, Kellen Kennedy is our studio producer this evening. Kellen, hope you had a good couple of days off, buddy. Yeah, I did. How, uh, sorry. <clears throat> How are you today? Oh, oh, your voice changed. Yeah, I know. It finally happened. <laughs> uh, no, thanks, I'm buddy. I'm a grown-up now, yes. Yes. <laughs> You could you could finally do your own thing. <laughs> All right, uh, Kellen, talk to you again in a couple of minutes, buddy. News today, before we get into some of the draft lottery stuff, the Anaheim Ducks, as was uh, kind of expected, after yet another first round disappointment, have fired head coach Boose Boudreau, who has been a pretty good coach. With the Anaheim Ducks, 208 wins, 140 losses, 40 overtime and shootout loss points. He has a 659 points percentage, which is the best among coaches all time who have coached over 400 games. But Brudrow's teams traditionally have been disappointing in the playoffs. And Ducks GM Bob Murray on the decision to fire Brudrow. Bottom line for myself and when I talked to my bosses is that I did not feel going forward making the playoffs again that it would be a good situation. I just think that the last four years, the way they've ended, all very similar, that I didn't think it was it would, it would be a good situation to go forward in. And in no way, shape or form 
is just pointing a gun at Bruce's head. Let's get that perfectly clear. But you got to start somewhere. So um, that um, you know, it's regular season success is 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 okay. I've told you all many times. For me, it's making the playoffs is the most important thing, and then anything can happen. And um, again, I just felt for this group going forward, whatever we have, whatever it, it just it, it, it wasn't going to work going forward. All right, well, and it didn't work for them. They fell behind the Predators 2-0. They fought back to win the next three. They lost a road game in Nashville, and then they fell behind 2-0 in Game 7. Could not tie it up despite a lot of shots and a lot of pressure. And uh, the Predators bounced the Ducks from the playoffs. Yet another home ice Game 7 loss for Anaheim. That was their GM, Bob Murray. All right, 780-496-0063. Jeremiah on the line this evening to get us going. Hey, Jeremiah. Hey, Reed. How are you doing? Doing wonderful. Good. Anyways, just a couple comments. Uh, one, I guess they feel bad for Bruce. That guy's a pretty good coach, and it's sad that, you know, players don't come and really play their best, and it always reflects on the coach, right? Yep. And then uh, another comment is another reason why I'd like to see the Oilers make the playoffs is because I don't think that we've actually heard the best out of Jack Michaels yet. Well, <laughs> you want that playoff intensity from Jack, eh? Well, there's a couple times there that uh, that brings up that, that he was gasping for air. And one particular one that I always remember is when uh, Spearman's got that 52 uh, save shutout against San Jose. Yeah. And there, was one, there was one particular part of that game that Spearman's made about five saves in a row. And he was just off the wall. And that every time I hear that, it just gives me goosebumps. And I just think if we could get to the playoffs, and this guy could like just go right. So, well, Jack, uh, I tell you something about Jack. He got to call a championship in the ECHL with the Alaska Aces, and I've never heard the calls because. Uh, I haven't been able to find them online, and I think Jack has them on some tape somewhere, but he can't find them. But uh, I, I think it was the Dan Patrick show, or one of Dan Patrick's old shows. Was it him or Olbermann? They they did a Homer call of the week, and Jack won it two weeks in a row for uh, Alaska Aces, I think, playoff goals. <laughs> they called it the Homer oh. call of the week, and, uh, and, and Jack won it. So he got a little bit of attention there. Wow. You know, you know how he how he could be, right? He just he lays her all out there when when things are excited, right? He definitely the people that listen, he you know he's the sixth man for sure. In it. Well, Jamar, I'll, I'll I'll pass along the compliment, okay, buddy. Thanks a lot for calling in tonight. Thanks, man. Bye. Okay, that's Jeremiah checking in, 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. Russell says, Reed, are you kidding me? The Oilers can't beat the Flames now. Why would you want the Flames to get the number one overall pick? The Oilers would never beat them then. If Edmonton can't get the first overall pick, anybody but the Flames, oh, and maybe the Leafs, ha-ha. <laughs> that is from Russell. 
Well, here's here's another. I know I'm probably just going to throw out a lot of random questions about the draft lottery tonight because it is a random event, and it it you can't really predict it. Uh, you can cheer for your team to get it or somebody not to get it. Who who would you? I mean, I'm coming a lot of the arguments here. I know I'm talking to Oilers fans. So if the Oilers don't win the first overall pick and you could somehow control who who could. Would you sooner see uh, the Flames get it or the Leafs get it? I'm, I I don't know. I'm going to guess that if you had to choose between those two evils, probably more of you would want Leafs fans to suffer. Pro- probably just because the outcry from last year and a lot of the, whether whether it's fair or not, I think a lot of the outcry about the Oilers winning the lottery last year and having another chance to win it again this year. I think a lot of that outcry is coming from people who live in Toronto. Even if they're national media, a lot of them live in Toronto and are around the uh, the Leafs a little more than they are other teams. I mean, here, here, here's, my, here's my thing. And by no means of what am I saying, you know, I'm going to start cheering for the Calgary Flames or, uh, uh, you know, start buying Stampeders jerseys or anything like that. I'm just saying from a rivalry perspective and from a, a, a hockey interest and passion point of view, if the Oilers don't get Austin Matthews, wouldn't it be great if the two most recent number one overall picks in the NHL played in Alberta and were on opposite sides of the rivalry and were franchise players and were leaders and were defining their teams. And we got to go forward for the next 10, 12, 15 years with those two guys leading the teams head-to-head. Is that is that such a bad thing if the Battle of Alberta becomes an actual battle and not, as one texter referred to it earlier this year, I wish I could remember his or her name and give him credit, the pillow fight of Alberta. Because, you know, they had a couple years, they were separated by one position in the standings in the bottom 10. Full credit to the Flames for what they did last year. This year, they're fifth worst in the league. The Oilers are, are second worst. Would it really be so bad if a game between the Oilers and Flames on the second last Saturday of the regular season was for first in the division or fifth overall or first overall? as opposed to being for 27th place or whatever it was when they went into that game where the Flames won 5 nothing, would it, would it really be so bad if there was a little more fire around this rivalry? And I know I'm talking to a large section of the audience who's probably thinking, I'm so sick of hearing about the 1980s. And I know if you were born after the mid-80s, you have never really seen a truly meaningful and superheated Oilers-Flames games. And I know you can, can point to some incidents. Trust me. It's not like it was in the 80s and into the 91 series. The 91 series, in my mind, is the best playoff series I've ever seen. The rivalry, the passion, the dirtiness, the drama, overtime goals. Game 6 went to overtime. Game 7 went to overtime. It was really everything you would want in a hockey series. Now, wouldn't it be nice, not just for the Oilers to be in the playoffs again, but to have that with the regional rival again. And the way the playoffs are now structured is that the NHL wants those rivalries to happen, hopefully in round one or two of the playoffs. I don't think it's such a bad thing. 
780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. A little more on this. Bob Stoffers coming up. Pat Steinberg, Gary Galley as well. All with some lottery talk as we move along. Inside Sports on Chad. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader. 630 Chad. That's the name of the show, my mysterious voice man. No score. Six minutes in. Blues and the Stars, Predators and Sharks. Later on, Blue Jays up on Tampa, one nothing. That one is uh, in the top of the fifth inning. All right, you can text six thirty six thirty. This individual says uh, no to Calgary getting Austin Matthews. We owe Calgary about ten years of butt whoopings first. Then maybe it would be palatable. That is from Brett. Topher Allen says, Reed, I would love the Battle of Alberta like it was back in the 80s and 90s. Oh, man, T-Bird, Trans Am, and Mess versus Auto. What a spring. Okay, I better take a break. I'm using up all my grade-A material, and it's not even 6.30 yet. <laughs> that is from Topher Allen. Michael says, uh, McDavid and Goudreau. I know Eichel and Strom and Matthews are hype, but I think McDavid versus Goudreau is the future. And come a few years' time, we're going to be having those meaningful battles. We have McClellan now. Maybe Calgary will pick up Boudreau. Alberta NHL hockey is on its way to being exciting again. That is from Michael. Uh, Bruderheim says, uh, Reed, totally agree with you. Wouldn't mind if the Flames got Matthews. Do you think Bob is going to pick the Oilers again to be better than the Flames? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't think he picked the. Did he pick that this year? I don't think. I know, I know I picked Calgary to make the playoffs this year. I think I might have even picked Calgary to finish second in the um, Pacific Division. Mm-hmm. Now, how come no one's mad at me for that? Last year, when I when I picked the Flames to miss the playoffs, and then they started the season well, everybody was mad at me. Mm-hmm. Now this year, I'm wrong about the Flames again, but no one's mad at me. What do I have to do to get people mad at me? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I, I could suggest a few things, but uh, better not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Sam G talking about Boudreaux being fired. He says, I can't blame him for losing to always a very good team. If you count back four years, the team they lost to were really good or a very experienced playoff team. So they are just unlucky to be playing always a great team, just like the Winnipeg Jets back a few years ago when they lost to the Oilers, even though they were usually really good. Anyway, I wish we had the Anaheim problem here in Edmonton. Fair enough. Can't argue with that. Couch coach, if the Oilers get fifth overall, go for the gene pool. Remember Bobby and Brett Hall? That is why we should pick Matthew Kachuk. That is from couch coach. Well, I certainly remember Brett Hall. Not old enough to have seen Bobby play. But uh, I know what you're talking about. Uh, Where's another one I wanted to read here? Ryan says, if the Ducks hired Dallas Akins after firing Boudreaux, and remember, Dallas Akins is the Ducks farm team coach, uh, San Diego. Can you check the AHL playoffs? I think it's game four tonight between Texas and San Diego. Check the AHL playoffs there, Kellen. Uh, anyway, if the Ducks hire Aikens after firing Boudreaux, that's like trading Connor McDavid for a retired Ethan Morrow, or better yet, trading your Lamborghini for a PT Cruiser. Wow. People still uh, 
<laughs> People still hating on Dallas Aikens. What else came in here? This texture says, uh, Reed, I think you're bang on. Couldn't agree more. If the Oilers don't win it, I hope the Flames do. Would love to see those battles again. All right. What would the odds be that the Oilers stay in the second spot? Line A is a perfect fit. That's from Greaser. Well, here's the thing. According to this, I mean, you can just, if you want to look at this at home, folks, and you can try this at home. It's perfectly safe. Just Google NHL lottery complete draft position odds, and you'll get a chart, and it'll have the odds for each team and each spot that they could possibly finish in. Now, the thing you got to remember, though, is this is based on every possible combination. The odds will change after the first team is drawn, okay? If the Oilers aren't drawn to pick first overall, their odds of picking second will increase. They'll increase more if the Leafs have already been drawn because that takes a 20% team out of the pot. Uh, but just based on all the odds going into this, 13.5 that the Oilers will finish first, uh, pick first, 13.1 that they'll be second, 125 third, 35.2% fourth, and 25.8% fifth. So it's almost better, not better, but, but it changes your perspective in, in terms of thinking what the Oilers' odds are of getting a certain pick. It's better to think of what their odds, odds aren't of getting a certain pick. And then you realize why fourth is the most likely scenario. Because basically for each spot, it's it's 87, it's it's 86 to 87% chance that the Oilers won't be the team picked. Right? So you got to remember that. At Calgary, by the way, is at 8.5%. The Oilers at 135 It goes all the way down to Boston at 1%. The funny thing about Boston is they either pick first, second, third, or 14th. There's, they either move up into the top three or they don't get picked and uh, they stay in 14th spot. All right, Inside Sports on 630 Chat. I can also tell you that the NHL and its Players Association have agreed on some rules for the expansion draft. If a player has a no-move clause, he will be protected. If he has a no-trade clause, though, he can be exposed to the expansion draft. This is potentially to add Vegas in a year or two. Remember, teams are going to be able to protect seven forwards, three defensemen, and a goalie, or eight skaters of any position and a goaltender. All right. Adam says, I do hope the Ducks make Aikens their head coach. One less team we need to worry about in the West. By the way, yeah. Uh, so yeah, sorry. What, yeah. What's going on there? So San Diego's playing Texas in this yeah, round. Yeah, that's Laxdahl's team. Remember that, we had Lax on last week. That's right. Uh, San Diego's up two games to one, with Game Four happening tonight at eight oh five our time. So it was one one. So San Diego won last night. Yeah, and uh, it's back in San Diego now, right? Six six one final last night for San Diego. Oh wow, way. my goodness! Yep. That goals team is pretty good, and they've mm-hmm. been scoring some goals. Yep. Uh, Michael says, Edmonton fans have strong memories, Reed. You'll get the odd text or call in about Aikens and Kruger still in 10 years, I bet. Well, maybe. And Oz says, blasphemy, it's ABC forever. I'm trying to calculate what the odds are Calgary picks last. (laughs) One can hope. (laughs) Well, Oz, I can tell you they are zero. Here's the thing about Calgary. They're either going to pick first, second, third, fifth, sixth, seventh, or eighth. They would pick... Eighth, if 
all the teams, if, if teams who finished ahead of them in the standings won the top three spots. Anyway, so many combinations. We're going to have coverage for you starting at 5 tomorrow afternoon. Brendan Ulrich, Bob Stoffer will all be part of it. I'll be here as well. No score, St. Louis and Dallas. They are 11 minutes into game one of their series. Hey, Bob Stoffer is coming up next. We'll also check in with Pat Steinberg from Calgary to see what the Flames are thinking about their draft possibilities. Raptors in action up 37-32 on the Pacers. Four minutes left in the first half. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Back after the news, folks. Hi, this is Taylor Hall from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Well, there's a guy who was the product of the Oilers winning a draft lottery a few years ago. No surprise for the Norris Trophy finalists in the NHL. Burns, Doughty, and Carlson, the latest finalists announced today. Plenty of hockey talk ahead on Inside Sports. We'll get to Bob Stoffer in about 40 seconds. Gary Galley and Pat Steinberg ahead as well. We'll talk a little football, the Canadian variety with Morley Scott. He has the Eskimo show coming up Sunday at 4. European football talk as well with former Canadian goalkeeper, now with Sportsnet, Craig Forrest. I want to touch on this story that I'm sure many of you have, have seen or, or maybe you follow this league closely, the English Premier League. Uh, three games left in the season for Leicester City. They basically need a win or uh, you know a regulation loss by the second place team, and they will win the title. Remember, they don't have playoffs there; they just give the award to the regular season champion. I think they were something like five thousand to one by bookmakers before the season. This was a team that was in the third division of British soccer as recently as six years ago. And the Premier League has generally been dominated by four or five teams. I don't know, and I'll ask Craig this, I, I don't even know if there's really a North American comparable to this. Because, you know, there's, there's different structures with the, with the money, with the way players can be play, uh, paid as I bring Bob in. They don't, they, you know, they don't have, they don't have playoffs. That, that has been, to me, Bob, one of the, I mean, I know you're more into soccer than I am. For me, that's one of the, been the interesting kind of sidebar stories that I've been keeping an eye on this year. Yeah, well, the closest thing, Reed, would be, and of course not paid, but would be a program that was maybe NAIA basketball or, uh, you know, a, a lower division in NCAA, and then they move up and go to, you know, the top division. And, uh, you know, like the where Tracy Ham played, Georgia Southern, right? That was not a, I don't, I still don't think it's a Division One program. Well, it'd be like that program going in a Division One and competing against, you know, the, the perennial powers, the Alabamas and the Ohio states of the world. And, uh, it's a remarkable story. Uh, it was 5,000 to one in, in terms of the odds to start of the year. Gary Lineker years ago, uh, <laughs> played for uh, Leicester and he was, he's, he's a great English, uh, uh, player back in the day. And he's got a massive following that, that dwarfs, uh, Bob McKenzie as an example of TSN. I mean, he's a huge deal in England and he's the one guy I follow over there. And it, I mean, it is, it is a big story. Now they've already qualified for champions league. So that, takes place next year the champions league playdowns are taking place right now as we speak but that's based upon results from last season so the top uh, depending upon which uh, country you're from either the top three or four teams uh, qualifying first division so in spain even though they've got barcelona and real madrid who are the two highest priced teams on the planet uh, they only get three teams most years whereas traditionally uh, the premier league there's four teams that qualify for the uh, the Champions League, and then they do have 
a playdown that all encompasses all the various club teams in England, and that's the FA Cup. So you have had upsets where you've had teams in Division Two uh, and Division Three make real noise for themselves, and and the FA Cups also allowed underwhelming teams in that Premier League to to salvage their season. We saw that a bit last year when Arsenal won. So it's it's an interesting story. Leicester's got some talented players. Uh, one of the guys that's going to be on the English uh, national team. He's actually uh, they've got the hero this year, Reed. He's actually suspended for this game coming up against Man United, but. Uh, you know, Leicester, uh, Leicester is, they know how to win this year. That's all there is to it. They find ways to live. They don't have the most prolific offensive team. I think one of their, and Craig can shed some light on this, one of their uh, attacking midfielders ended up being the top, voted the top player in the league this year. Uh, sort of a no-name guy that a couple of years ago was playing at a lower level. So yep. It's been a remarkable story to, to follow. And it is, I mean, it's, it's huge over there, right? I mean, the best athlete in England, in Spain, uh, in Germany, the best athletes uh, soccer first, and then they gravitate towards other sports, as opposed to here in Canada, where our best athletes as boys grow up playing hockey and hoping one day of being the number one overall pick in the draft. And that's what we're going to find out a little bit more about tomorrow. The projected number one pick is Austin Matthews. Again, the percentage for the Oilers, 13.5%. Uh, you know what, Bob? I was saying something in the first half hour. I blogged about it, and I said, look, I'm thinking here... If the Oilers don't win the lottery, wouldn't it be something if the Calgary Flames won it and we had McDavid and Matthews spearheading hopefully a resurgence of the Battle of Alberta? Because it has not really been a battle since that epic series in 1991. I'm getting mixed reaction on the text line. Some people are saying, why would you want the Flames to be good? And I'm saying two reasons. I want the rivalry. And second of all, look, you get pushed by your rivals often. You get pushed by the teams in your division and your conference. And if the Oilers do things well and do things better, McDavid's still going to be the better player. And and that's the guy they're building around. I mean, hey, look, if, if your team does things well, you should be able to take anybody on. Let's, I mean, look at other local teams. The Calgary Stampeders were 14-4 and this year. So were the Eskimos. The Eskimos outdid them. The U of A Golden Bears have risen up to challenges from the U of S and, and U of C over the years because they've been a better team. So I'm not a, I'm not afraid of Calgary being good. I, I think it would be great for both teams to get better and for fans in the province. Well, I can make a strong argument that Vancouver needs Austin Matthews more than the Calgary Flames do. I mean, you look at Calgary and they you know they got Monahan six and they stole a player in the fourth round and Johnny Goodrow, and then they got Bennett one pick after dry settle when we were in uh, uh, Philadelphia together. So. I, I think the Flames have got the three pretty good young forwards, and right now they're ahead of the Oilers on defense. I do think that if Edmonton addresses their defense, they could take a significant step forward this year. As for Vancouver, I'm concerned a bit for Vancouver. I know I've been Kuzman Oilers now today, Reed, and I think the Canucks have to, you know, they, they could in many respects uh, be the club that, benefit, you know, would, would really need Matthews the most because they got to eventually – replace the Sedins. Then you can make a strong argument in Columbus, too. Toronto needs the number one center. Uh, we'll never hear the end of it if the Oilers win the lottery, though. I mean, they won five cups in seven years, and then they get five number one picks in seven years. That would be... Uh, I would, and i, I got to tell you, I'd be completely happy if Edmonton ended up drafting Patrick Lanning. So if that means they win the lottery and trade down a spot, you know, so be it. If the uh, scouting staff decides to get the number one pick and Lanning's their guy, I think you got to see what you can do to, you know, push whoever's got the number two pick to give you a little something to uh, to do the shift. But I think that Patrick Lyman could be every bit as useful for the Oilers as Austin Matthews. 
Well, that's the fascinating thing about it, Bob. And, and a couple people have texted in tonight and said, and, and, and they actually said they just hope the Oilers hold their ground. Now, this year yeah. that involves winning the, the second lottery because they're going to draw three times. But Line A is so appealing. Depending on what you read, some people think he's he's as good as Matthews or almost as good. I know some scouts and pundits say there's there's still a noticeable gap there. But that's that's the fascinating thing going into this lottery for the Oilers that might, might be different with some of the last ones. Fans are smart enough to know last year the Oilers lucked out immensely and won the one lottery that they wanted to win and maybe that player that 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 fits in a little better is actually in the two spots so then you're hoping for anybody else to win the first spot and then the Oilers to get drawn in the second round well I mean you know and I, again I think in a perfect world you do win a lottery and then you hold the cards right and and so maybe you can make a deal but line eight to me would be a great fit the other I guess there's a couple things here Reed like when I go on the road and when we go into Toronto if the owners win the lottery again, you know, I, I don't. I'm not the typical, you know, I, I'm a Western Canadian that's going to swing back once in a while on the guys from Toronto. Like, I mean, come on, man. It's not like the owners, you know, cheated in terms of getting the lottery wins. And and if anything, if they just kept the draft the way it used to be, Edmonton would have drafted first twice. That's it. They got incredibly lucky getting McDavid. You can make a strong argument. They got kind of unlucky winning the lottery in 2012, given how it's turned out for a couple of top picks that year. So we'll see how she plays out. It's going to be fun. Uh, I know I attended an event day over at the Oilers' office, and they had a little bit of fun. I'm not going to reveal what got said, but, you know, there's certainly a recognition of how incredibly fortuitous Edmonton was to get uh, Connor McDavid. And, and then the funny thing is, Reed, like, I get the sense from some of the Toronto-based media they felt they deserved Connor McDavid. And I got news for you. Deserved has got nothing to do with it. That's well, not how this works. It's fluke. It's chance. And, you know, we'll see what happens tomorrow. Well, I, I think I deserve the 50 million Lotto Max draw every time they have one on a Friday. But that's never that's never helped me out. Uh, Bob, I, I, I said this to you. We crossed over when you were leaving the building today. And I said this to you. And I want to throw it out there again. You know, people talk about, oh, this team, it's not fair to this team. It's not fair to this team. Why don't they do the lottery this way? You know what, Bob? If you really want to look at this historically, you know what team kind of got, uh, you know, a little bit of the, the short end of the stick when it comes to the draft lottery? Go back to 2011, the New Jersey Devils. Think about it. Oh, okay, yeah. They win the lottery and they move up four spots from eight to four. Now, they got Larson. And, Reed, there were people that thought Larson should be top three material in that draft. And and Huberto closed late. In fact, the owners even interviewed Huberto on the last day uh, when we were at that draft in St. Paul, Minnesota. So, you know, New Jersey, they also circumvented the rules under uh, Lou Lamorello, and the league ended up forgiving them. And uh, they got themselves a, a late, you know, a 30th overall pick one year. It'll be fun. Like, it's going to be fun. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean... Could you imagine next year if the Oilers, you know, let's say the Oilers make the 15th, 18th point improvement, they come in 19th in the league. They miss the playoffs, but they come in 19th. And whatever, you know, whatever 11th in in terms of percentage works out, and Edmonton won the lottery next year at the 11th hole. I mean, at least when you're second, you know, you've kind of earned it, albeit the bad way. Right. 
<laughs> well, Boston 1%. They're the lowest team this year. I was saying in the first half hour, it's interesting for the Bruins. They they have this slight chance to get first, second, or third, or then they're 14th. So those are the only four slots that are uh, options for them. All right, Bob, thanks for weighing in tonight. So uh, I know you're going to join us on our draft lottery special tomorrow. We're going to sign on at uh, 5. We'll have results. We'll have some reaction. We'll take phone calls. It will be interesting. For the first time ever, the league is drawing three teams as uh, they pick the first three in the draft lottery. Thanks a lot, man. All right, Rick. Take care. See you. Bye-bye. That is Bob Stoffer checking in tonight, host of Oilers now here on 630. Chad, you get them from noon to 2 every weekday. Uh, DW said uh, before the interview, hey, Reed Stoffer coming on means, means one of three things will happen. He'll either talk about playing for the Southside Athletic Club in 1974 or talk about planting trees in the summer of 79, or he's going to make his yearly prediction that the Oilers will make the playoffs next year. That's better odds than the Oilers getting the first pick tomorrow. Go Bob! That's from DW. I don't think Bob did any of those things. Did he? I don't think he did. Maybe he will tomorrow when we have him on. I don't know. People like to uh, poke fun at Bob, but he's a great guy. It is 6.45, last minute of the first period. St. Louis and Dallas still scoreless. Dallas is into the last 30 seconds of a power play. All right, 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. Here's another question, if I'm pulling random questions out of the bag tonight. Where do you want the Oilers to pick? Does it have to be number one? Are you better off if it's just two or three and it's simple and they take one of the finished wingers? There's another thing for you. I also threw out my Calgary or Toronto pick question. Who would you sooner of those two evil franchises? <laughs> Which would you sooner have picked first overall? You can chime in on whatever you like. We'll talk a little bit more about the Ducks coaching change as well. Inside Sports on Ched. You're listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Friday, everybody. Hope you have a great weekend ahead. It's getting hot out, eh? It's going to be a scorcher next week. Into the into the 20s on Sunday. It's going to be like 26, 27 by Tuesday, Wednesday. By Tuesday, Wednesday, yeah. You're going to have to wear sunscreen, Kellen Kennedy. Do you burn easily or? Uh, I wouldn't say easily. Not easily? Okay. No, normally. Oh, I burn normally. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a regular burner. You're a regular burner, yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> Uh, 6.51 inside sports on 6.30. Ched, Blue Jays up 2-0 on the Rays. That's in the top of the seventh. Raptors up 44-40 on Indiana. That one is at halftime. Gary Galley from the NHL on Rogers coming up at the uh, top of the hour. Really enjoy uh, Gary's work. Talk a little bit about being in between the benches. He'll have some draft lottery thoughts as well. Austin Matthews, of course, now his WHL rights belong to uh, the Everett Silvertips, but he chose to go play professionally in Switzerland this season where he was coached by uh, former NHL coach Mark Crawford. He's definitely what uh, what anybody would be looking at as a number one center. You know, obviously you've got a great number one center here in Edmonton right now, or at least uh, future number one uh, center in Connor McDavid. I mean, he I saw him the other night, but it was the first time I've seen him in, in person at an NHL game. I've seen him in person 
when he played for Erie, and I saw him uh, at the World Juniors uh, uh, as well. So you know, he's he's marvelous. Austin's a very similar player uh, in that he's got the same uh, presence and vision uh, as uh, Connor does. He maybe doesn't have that extra gear that Connor has. And Connor's, I mean, he's just extremely special. Austin is as well. Austin's a little bit more of a shooter. Uh, he's got an NHL shot and an NHL good shot. Uh, so, uh, you know, I don't know whether he'll lead the rookies in scoring ne next year, but I think he'll lead the rookies in shooting next year for sure. Uh, he's that type of player. He reminds me a lot of Anze Kopitar because he carries speed to the neutral zone like Anze does, handles the puck, protects it, uh, uh, has great stick handling ability, but he's more of a shooter like Joe Sackick. Um, Joe could shoot the puck from all sorts of different angles. Uh, he had different release points. He could shoot through screens, but he brought the puck to the scoring area really well, and Austin does exactly that. He is a, a center that really uh, uh, controls that middle area of the ice. Um, I think he'll play very well on an NHL power play right away, uh, and he's obviously the growth in his game will have to be his play without the puck as it is with all young players. All right, so that's Mark Crawford weighing in on Austin Matthews. Of course, you expect the guy who coached the kid to uh, promote him, but he's not the only one saying a lot of good things about him. Greaser texting in again. He says, two or three is perfect for the Oilers to pick. Would love to see a Canadian center with a sniper fin. Again, I hope the Flames win the first pick. Game on. I'm with you on this one, Reed. Let's get this rivalry rocking. Now, here's the, here's the, here's the thing. Kellen, we do not know what's going to happen tomorrow. We have no. we, let's, let's confess to everybody. There's no scripts. Think, you and I have no effect on the draft lottery. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no scripts. We have no <laughs> idea what's going to happen. Imagine that. So. We don't know what's going to happen with a bunch of uh, random ping pong balls. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the thing. The Oilers, okay, they could get number one. But I think a lot of Oilers fans are saying, okay, we realize we lucked out with McDavid. Wouldn't it be great just to stay in the two hole mm -hmm. or get dropped down to three? Even? Yep. But... There's a very likely scenario that neither the Leafs nor the Oilers get drawn in the top three, and the mm -hmm. Oilers get pushed all the way down to fifth. Yes. Now, in that case, Oilers fans are going to say, and I wish it was the old rule where they just drew one team and the Oilers couldn't drop down lower than three. Hmm. So maybe if the Oilers drop down to fifth, maybe everybody will be satisfied that the Oilers are, are too lucky or have too many high picks. Hmm. Then maybe they'll leave us alone. Yeah. But it's 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 funny now, to get that two-pick, you can't just stand pat by the Leafs winning, and you can't just drop mm -hmm. down to three by somebody else winning. I mean, now you got to get drawn. And you got to actually get drawn. So that's why yeah. they've done the top three. And then, of course, it leads to the question, if they do end up in the four or five uh, slot at the draft, do we hold on to that pick? Do we move that pick? What's going to happen, right? So. Uh, Rob texting in, he says, do you not understand that the first overall pick means you can pick anyone? Matthews does not have to be picked first if the team needs help in a different position. Well, Rob, of course I understand that, but, but Matthews is the highest rated player. So, and that's what Bob was saying. If the Oilers decide, you know what, we like Line A a lot, then why would you pick Line A first, if you know the 29 other teams or the second overall team is going to pick Matthews, why would you not make that trade? If you know the team who winds up second wants Matthews and you have the first pick, you're wasting an opportunity to just pick Line A and give them the opportunity to pick Matthews anyway. You know, you have to make it seem like, well, we might pick Matthews here, 
You know, so do you want to trade up? And we'll take the number two, but you got to give us something else. Isn't that's that, what Bob. That's what Bob was saying. Of yeah. course, you can pick anybody, but if but if everybody, if the number two team, you know, they want Matthews, then you got to make a deal. Isn't that one of those unwritten gentlemen gentlemen's agreements with amongst the general managers type things too? That okay, if we're not going to take the guy who's first overall, and you want him, you're right below us. We'll just trade spots. I don't think that's a, they have that agreement at all. Okay. I think you got to work that out on a case-by-case basis. Uh, this texture says, uh, Raiden Kellen, what was the last song you played coming back from commercial? I can't recall. Was that Tear It Down by Def Leppard? Exactly. Track yeah. 10 on their underwhelming 1992 release, Adrenalize. Though that is one of the better songs on it. It is coming up to 6.57. Gary Galley is going to join us in the next hour. Pat Steinberg out of Calgary as well to get some of that perspective. He can keep the text rolling into 6.30, 6.30. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.